Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Nungabuja. Today's guest is a musician, arts worker, events producer, and band leader. A graduate of WAPA with over 15 years' experience in the music and art scene in WA, she is the founder and director of the Perth Cabaret Collective and the Amnesiacs Big Band and is the musical director of the UWA Jazz Ensemble and Wayo Northern Corridor Band. Being a local Maylands resident and this year's recipient of the City's Women in Leadership Award, she is also the founder and artistic director of the Lyric Lane Jazz Festival, which is celebrating its third year this August. A strong champion for gender diversity in the music scene, Jess has inspired many young musicians to pursue a career in music and the arts and works tirelessly to represent peoples of marginalised genders in all aspects of her work. I'm speaking, of course, with Jess Herbert. How are you, Jess? Very well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for putting up with me, stuffing up the intro. It's my (laughs) favourite thing to do when I have smart, intelligent, wonderful people on the show. (laughs) It's just mess up their bio from John. It's absolutely fine. (laughs) Um, For you, Jess, why music? Well, initially it was because my mum made me do it (laughs) um, through many various means of bribery and corruption initially, especially (laughs) starting on the violin as a six-year-old. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was was a time. Um, I love the honesty in that answer. It's just like, you know, at three years old I just really wanted to play the cello. It's like said no child. No, (laughs) no child wants that for themselves. No. Um, But no, my... uh, now that I look back on it and can reflect a little more accurately, my mum was a real champion of my um, my initial stages into, you know, becoming a musician. Um, and then, you know, you get into high school and you just meet your people, mm. you know. You meet your fellow band geeks and, <laughs> you know, being at, um, in high school at the time that I was, you know, geeking out over black books and... Shostakovich mm. in the same conversation. I was just like, yeah, this makes sense to me. Yeah. This makes sense. And then, um, you know, you kind of, I, th- I think musicians find each other and have that real strong commonality from such a young age. And you kind of look around and you see, you know, other people sort of floundering and not, and not so sure of themselves. Mm. But when you find your fellow creatives, yeah. God, what a difference that makes. (laughs) So I think as soon as I, uh, yeah, hit high school and and found that, I was like, yep, this is my community. These are my people. And I have never left. (laughs) Never left high school. I'm still there. (laughs) That's right. Please, I just want to graduate. (laughs) Speaking of graduating, you then went on to study at WAPA. What made you decide to go down like the jazz path there? Well, actually, I didn't do jazz. I did classical. Oh, Um, 
which was weird. It's so, it's so weird now reflecting back on it. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like a strong choice for me mm. either to go and study music. Oh, interesting. I, um, I didn't know what I was going to do when I was in, when I was in year 12 and my music teacher at the time, I just kind of looked at him one day and I was like, should I, should I do this? Like, is this something that I should do? Your music teacher was like, you mean the thing you've been doing since you were six? Yeah. Probably. Legit. He was just like, shut the fuck up, Jess, go to Wobbler. I was like, yep, cool. No worries. You know, me being just like emotionally needy yep. to my music teachers <laughs> at the time. What? That doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I went on and did classical saxophone at Wopper. And uh, that's such a different genre. So the thing that's like really piqued me there for people who don't know is if you're studying um, jazz, especially at the institutions in WA, there's like such a heavy uh, focus on improvisation and those Mm -hmm. sort of techniques. Whereas in the classical stream, improvisation just isn't really something that's taught. So for me, my brain is like, so how do we make the jump from classical to jazz without just like imploding? A hundred percent. And honestly, like improvisation to me is still a massive unknown entity. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm really intimidated. <laughs> I try my very best, but it is, and I think it's something, you know, a lot of jazz musicians, you're always, you're always trying to explore what improvisation actually is and what it means to you and how you find your own self-expression through the music totally. as well. I mean, and conversely with classical, it's like, how do I play this music as accurately as I possibly can mm. whilst also finding my own voice and self-expression in that. Mm. So both like complicated concepts in, in their own way. Um, but I think for me what I loved about jazz and why I made the move was it just it just resonates differently within my person. Mm. You know, it just mm. hits differently. There's something... It makes my intestines squiggle. <laughs> I love that. Instead of make what makes your skirt twirl, it makes your intestines squiggle. <laughs> Put it on a shirt. And for most of us, the answer is milk. <laughs> Any <kind of> <laughs> but for you, it's jazz, and that's super relatable great. content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not having coffee this morning. What are you talking about? No, we would never. Um, so, when you started your foray into sort of jazz music where where were you at in those stages was it immediate like I'm going to create 17 different bands and we're going to just go like rock the house down or is like how did you navigate those spaces well I think I was working at the Ellington at the time um so constantly surrounded by jazz music every night and it was just kind of like this sense of community but not only that this like instant celebration and recognition of what those musicians were doing on stage at the time. Everybody Mm. was there. Mm -hmm. Everybody was there with them, listening, engaging. You know, at a classical concert, you have to wait to the end of the song to applaud. Yeah, at the end of the movement and you've got to like preemptively know when that is, which means you have to have like studied Bach before you got there. Oh, God, 100%. (laughs) And there's nothing that shits me more than going to Wazo and this freaking like French horn player who's been doing this for 50 years plays this absolutely perfect, beautiful, expressive solo mm-hmm. and you, you just, cool, all you right? You just have to be. No worries, mate, tip of the hat, mm. you know. I hate mm-hmm. that and that's what I that's what I found just so gratifying about jazz is it, it really is, it feels like you've got this team of people who are there with you, creating with you mm. and um, 
I just decided, uh, you know, growing up a little bit of a musical theatre geek as well. I, I always no loved. Way. <laughs> no way. Get <laughs> out of here. How that. unusual. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, I'm a big fan of the musical uh, cabaret and I loved like the scenes that always stuck out to me was when musicians were on stage mm-hmm. interacting with what that performer yeah. was doing. And I was like, God, how, how do we create that in Perth? And so I just uh, it was working at the Ellington and, and met this playwright who casually. Like, just casually um, who said to me, I'm working on a play about the Prohibition era and I, and I want a band. I was like, great, I'll put a band together. And that's just how, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just so lucky to be in the position that I was, um, sort of had kind of, you know, been on the periphery of the scene, um, yeah, because of being at the Ellington and, yeah, was a, able to put together this this band of comrades and off we went. And it was, I remember the first rehearsal that we did and we played um, this arrangement of the very famous tune, When You're Smiling. Yeah. And I just sat there and I cried. <laughs> and I felt, like, I felt like such a nerd, but <laughs> I was like, this is, this is what has been missing mm. in the journey for me. And it's, yeah. So anyway, that was uh, 2015. Wow. Mm. And which one of those, which... Okay, there's like 17 projects, 17 pies that you've got your hands in currently. Mm-hmm. Which did that band like become one of those core projects for you? Yeah, so, that, so that's Perth Cabaret Collective. Yay, that's yeah. so exciting. Yeah. So how did Perth Cabaret Collective, but for people who haven't seen it, one of the most like successful uh, live band uh, cabaret burlesque drag experiences that we currently have in Perth, especially around the Fringe um, circuit. Uh, get your tickets now. I don't know when, just look, follow them. <laughs> Um, so how did that like evolve from the band to being all of the incredible things that it is today? Well, I think that was always the, was always the vision, right? Mm. You know, that I had that kind of, yeah, that scene from all those many scenes from Cabaret in my head. And, you know, it's a collective because I wanted to involve and uh, work with as many different artists from as many different performance mm. backgrounds as I could because it's all so interesting the way we express our art mm. and there's something, you know, and uh, um, a lot of people that I've spoken to, burlesque and, and drag performers, there's something about performing to a live band, mm-hmm. you know, and and then it's just like this extension of um, instead of, you know, just the musicians kind of understanding and, and connecting on this deeper level, it, it becomes bigger than that yeah. all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's, um, it's crazy to think that, you know, when we started we were just, you know, I guess like another kind of jazz band on the scene and now I'm working with some of the most amazing burlesque performers that we have in the state and just having the opportunity to understand what burlesque is and what it represents and mm-hmm. how everybody, you know, interprets it differently. The same as, you know, working with Cougar Morrison in oh the drag God, yes, scene. Yeah. And their experiences and how they interpret music, it's just I just never want to stop doing that. Mm. It's, it's all about connection 
for me. Totally. And uh, yeah, that's that. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Stump speech over. I think it was one of the first times that I really started to connect properly with music and instrumentations was when I was told, like, because especially doing a classical music degree myself, was when I was told that I will never do a solo in my life. I will forever. I will forever do a duet, though, because I'm at least performing with other instruments. And like, it was a, uh, it was actually really amazing because like it was until then I was like, I am a soloist and I will do this, this, and this. And mm. like for somebody to be like, well, minimum you're doing a duet because the piano is on stage. Mm. Minimum you're doing mm-hmm. a duet because like you've at least got strings with you or something else. So like minimum. Right. You're not just this like one entity, so you mm-hmm. need to be more considerate of like the other instruments in the space and the mm-hmm. other performers in the space around you, which I understand sounds like very duh now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you're like at university and the sun and the earth and the moon revolves around you because you auditioned to get into a school, yep. um, you just forget that <laughs> anybody else goes there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to all of the other projects that you're involved in, this is me segueing. Um, <laughs> Love it. Subtle. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I just like remind everybody, tap the mic and be like, hello, segue. Um, when it comes to all of the other incredible projects that you put on at the moment um, and that you put on for a hot minute, how do you like create and curate these lineups for say like the jazz festival and those sort of things? Because you've got to be so aware of all of the different types of music and what audiences are looking for. I go out a lot mm. and drink a lot of wine Lovely. while I'm out there. Yep. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this decision was made by Tempranillo. <laughs> brought to you by Malbec. Yeah. Um, no, look, I mean, I'm really lucky that I do consider myself to have a pretty great understanding of, you know, what the, what the jazz, what's going on in the jazz scene. And it, and it truly is. I'm addicted to connecting. I just <laughs> realized that I just had an epiphany. I love going out and seeing what people are doing and having conversations with, you know, um, musicians and talking about their projects. And we have, there's such a, such a wealth of um, music and jazz and just all art in, in WA. And I just, I love immersing myself. And then, you know, Lyric Lane Jazz Festival kind of, started because I wanted to bring jazz into, I guess, like more of a suburban area. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lyric Lane is also an absolutely incredible, incredible venue. Um, But just to showcase, because I think, you know, I'm so in it that I just forget sometimes that that people just don't actually realise the wealth that we have here in WA. Totally, yeah. And... Um, I just, yeah, I just want to try and cultivate this, not just appreciation, but this kind of like celebration Mm. of all of the good things that we have, that we have here aside from footy and FIFO. (laughs) Yeah, there is an incredible wealth of arts in Western Australia and putting uh, the jazz festival in a more contemporary venue and not even just like having, so Lyric Lane for people who don't know is like an underground uh, performance based venue, but the way that your your the way that the jazz festival runs is it spills out into literally the laneway behind it, and then mm. the space, like the smaller spaces, um, and spaces that you might not consider to be quote unquote theater mm, spaces. Mm. How like where did that idea come from? Um, God, I have absolutely no idea. That's, That's a- fine too. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think too. I just like 
you know, shower epiphanies are, are really, I have my best ideas in the shower. Okay. And I was like, you know what? It's time to start a jazz festival. Um, but yeah, also like, it's like, because, you know, the community, the jazz community is so strong, but so is the arts community. It's like trying to bring all these different elements together, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and when you walk into Lyric Lane, there's a, there's a real strong sense of like, I guess, family there, which I loved. Mm. And I just, yeah, I wanted to put my family in, in that place. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. I think the thing that I really enjoy about like putting arts things on in untraditional like or unique locations like Mm. that is the idea that you can sort of take, um, I don't have a better word, so I'm just going to use it, that sort of arts wanker pressure off a little bit. Oh, 100%. So if you go like, yes, Mm -hmm. it is jazz, and does jazz intimidate you? Yeah, maybe it intimidates you, but what about it intimidates you? Some sort of reference that you've seen on TV once and now you think it's too complicated for you to listen to and you're not allowed to because the progressions are too crazy and you don't quite understand how you possibly got from a four, five, one progression to like, why are we doing a two, six, 19 inversion? I don't understand anymore. <laughs> don't even know if that's real. Um, so you just get really, really confused and it's too overwhelming. But yeah. suddenly if you put it in a space, like literally a, a laneway mm-hmm. <laughs> or in a space that can be like, oh no, this is a non-intimidating atmosphere. Yeah. Then you keep like the amazing quality of the performance, but you soften the edges of the experience for people. Mm. Maybe, yeah, no, maybe. absolutely. And I think you know you you can relate to this as well as you know these these art forms that we pursue are sometimes seen as quite elitist. Mm. Mm-hmm. And how do we break down that that boundary yeah. between what people have, you know, not necessarily. Um, uh, without reason created mm. with, 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 you know, within their own minds. But I mean, and the thing was with jazz is it's such a broad genre. Like it just yeah. it, it encompasses so much. So you do get your very elitist, for lack of a better term, wanky <laughs> jazz, which, you know, some people love, some people don't, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but, you know, it, it really, I honestly think, that everybody can find something within the genre of jazz to connect to. Mm-hmm. I truly, truly believe that. And there's nothing wrong with that being Chicago the movie. And like, Absolutely <laughs> fucking not. Because it happens, it happens all the time in classical music. You sort of assume that like, okay, to participate in this, and I think we often forget in a lot of these art forms that you participate in this as an audience member just like you participate in it as a musician mm. because you leave the house and you like choose to go out to this like thing. And if you're choosing to go out to a fancy night, say at his majesty's theater, you're probably paying a lot of money for this yes. experience. Um, the last thing that you need is to feel awkward the entire time, not knowing when you're allowed to clap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember like literally going to the Berlin Philharmonic in Berlin. Yeah. Um, and members of the orchestra getting mad because somebody coughed and just sitting there being like, <sighs> Now I feel awkward. Eventually the whole audience just started laughing because it was the most absurd thing we'd ever seen in our whole life. But like just having this moment of sitting in your chair being like, and if I breathe out the wrong way, this whole experience is over. You sort of feel like you're back in school doing an ATAR test. Isn't that just so... And you paid to be there? It's so sad. Yeah. That is so sad. At the end of the day, it's, when you you know, you think about um, music in its totality of us on this, you know, lonely little planet Mm. and humans have 
not just created a way of communication via language, but here's this really complicated thing made out of brass or wood and you have to do all these different things in order to get a sound out. But once you do, this is another way that we connect as humans. And then some fucking guy in bloody Berlin Phil's going to yell at you for coughing. Mate, get off your high horse. A hundred percent. Get off your horse. Put that horn down and leave. (laughs) (laughs) Put the horn down and get out. No Mm. one's that special. (laughs) What's that fucking special? No one's that special. And maybe it's the reason, like, well, at least part of the reason that we end up gravitating towards these incredible art forms like drag and burlesque Mm -hmm. because you feel so engaged as an audience member Yes, that like not only are you allowed to be there and welcome it into those spaces in a way that like in classical music you're kind of not, um, but you're also encouraged to participate if you want to yep. and make noises and get really involved in the art that you're experiencing. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, that that's, that's such a great point. And I, I hadn't actually considered that before, but um, you know, in, in uh, like African American culture, obviously, mm. you know that's that's they are the creators of um, the genre of jazz. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to the recordings or um, you know watch videos of um, African American audiences, mm. they are so vocal yep. the whole time. They are connecting to what is happening on stage the whole time, like which is completely the opposite. Yeah. You know, so, and I, and I, so often when I, when I start a show, I have to explain to an audience that this is a safe space and a reciprocal. Yes. A, a reciprocal yeah. experience. You know, the more that you give us, the more that we shall give you in return. Mm. But it's really hard to explain that to white people and I don't know why. <laughs> it's like sort of a shared collective trauma that white Westerners have with the arts where it's like, and I clap at the end of the ballet once they've done the special move and they tell me I'm allowed to clap. <laughs> but then conversely in like burlesque and drag, you mm-hmm. don't have that. No. You don't have that. It's like the expectation is that you will walk out and your voice will no longer be part of your person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shared collective experience. And like like the arts, I suppose, should be because if it's supposed to be, here's where we line it back up with AFL football. If it's supposed to be a moment where you're like releasing something or having time off or allowing yourself to be different from your day-to-day persona, the idea that you would then sit there in silence like you do at an office job Mm -hmm. nine to five seems really strange. So it makes a lot of sense to me that people go, well, I'd rather go to the footy because I can scream my head off, Mm. be involved, be engaged, be passionate, and then it's over and I can put those emotions away for another week while I go back to my shithouse job. (laughs) Yep, yep. That's really sad. It is, it (laughs) is. And, And I mean, and that's, you know, that's another analogy that I use when, you know, trying to, trying to, bloody pull something out of our audiences is we treat jazz like sport. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is just a slightly different way to, to be less inhibited. Yeah, which is something that your team did recently, PCC, where you literally put on basketball jerseys when playing <laughs> or were they not basketball? I'm sorry, I don't know any no, of them. No, I don't know. They were just... <laughs> they were just jerseys? There were things that sport people wear, so... <laughs> I'm saying like I know, I believe they were the Lakers jerseys of 1987. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I'm sorry. I can't help you. We bought them at Kmart. That's that's all I know. Hey, sales. Well, I'm actually going to go Google who the Lakers are and uh, upset yep. a bunch of people. Um, I'm going to 
have a drink of water. And we'll be right back after this break. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're back. I didn't Google the Lakers. I didn't do it. I didn't want to. But, I mean, why would you? I'm sure plenty of people are. It's not have. bedtime yet. <laughs> it's not day over yet. We don't need to have a nap. <laughs> I'm not done. Um, nobody tell me what it is. I will have clearly forgotten. By the time this comes out, I will be like, why did I Also, the shit's given is just, it's just it's zero. Just not, it's just it's not zero. It's Come just zero. Come on. at all. <laughs> We've spoken so much about already about like all of the awesome ways that music can impact our local art scene and how we can sort of better it. Uh, so let's try and solve all the problems of the Perth art scene. Like, I'm right so away. ready. Right I'm away. primed. Um, first things first, like what are we loving about the local music scene right now? Look, there is there is a lot to love. Um, I think we have, we're starting to bring in a lot of different sort of like fusion mm. um, stuff now. I think there's a, there's a broader understanding of uh, world music and mm. how that can be yeah, um, blended with the style of jazz and what that means and exploring that sort of thing. Um, there are more women in the jazz scene now than there were, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Still not, a, a, you know, nowhere near um, as many men, but it is it is slowly progressing and that is something to keep celebrating and keep encouraging. Um, I think... The realm of opportunity is massive in Perth Mm. and it really is just that thing of um, the idea and following through on the idea and being passionate about the idea. There is so much opportunity here and I, I, you know, I think to myself sometimes like, you know, if I was in Melbourne or Sydney or, you know, anywhere else, not just in Australia or in the world, I just, I just wonder if I would have had the same opportunities as I have in Perth. Oh, interesting. To, yeah, to achieve what I have been able to achieve here. Um, and I don't know if that's just like my inner saboteur as <laughs> rewards. Um, but, yeah, it really is that, it really is that thing is, is once you have that spark and you're kind of willing to work towards it, and I think, you know, that's probably the same everywhere, but I think, Perth has a lot of potential and a lot mm. of people who are willing to um, encourage and help foster people with new ideas. Definitely, definitely. When you were studying music, mm. um, was one of the things that you were like sort of 
almost subconsciously told that you would need to move away from Perth in order to be successful? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, can you talk a little bit on that? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> God, like I remember being in class and being told, you know, um, I mean, studying classical saxophone was, you know. That's hard, dude. I don't understand Honestly, <laughs> honestly. But it was like, you know, the general thing around classical music was if you wanted to get into one of the best orchestras in the world, you would mm. have to wait for somebody to die. Yeah. Um, still, still, unfortunately, the case. Still, yep. still the case. Yep. And there's no opportunities in Perth. So be prepared to leave. You know, you have to be prepared to travel. Um, to Europe probably. To, yes, to <laughs> Europe. That's right. Yep. Um, yeah, that's right. If you want to take your career seriously, you need to move halfway across the world. Mm invest more money in studying with other people. And, you know, that's all well and good and I'm sure that has worked for some musicians, mm. like no doubt. But is that not just like the most privileged yeah, bloody path that mm-hmm. you can imagine? Yeah. You know. If you haven't already spent tens of thousands on the degree you made here, but please 100%. go and spend tens of thousands of euros somewhere else. That's it. And what if you're like, you know, some kid from public school who – you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. You know, who had to, you know, I've still got a hex from bloody Whopper. Yep. But how is that realistic? Mm. You know, and they love music and they want to be there and they want to be participating in it. Mm. And it's like, well, to succeed, you have to, you know, have tens of thousands of dollars or rich parents or both or whatever, yeah. you know, to go and make something of it. It's yeah. just, oh, it's just so disheartening that that is the rhetoric. And as much as I want to, I give praise to those institutions, I will also rag on them for being, then turning around five years later and going, gosh, I wonder why our program doesn't get a lot of people auditioning who mm-hmm. are people of colour, who are queer, mm-hmm. who are First Nations. Like, mm-hmm. who, like, why don't we get a lot of that? And it's like, well, maybe because the expectations that you set in this department are that they need to have rich parents or yeah. lots of money saved up or like you said, both. Like yeah. it, it's something that really doesn't create an accessible arts industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. It come again, it comes back to that to that accessibility thing. And you're always going to have your Puritans mm. in any in any artistic form. There's always going to be your Puritans. But uh for me, music is is bigger than um this kind of intellectualized pursuit that a lot of people really connect with. And that's great. And I'm I'm not ragging on that at mm. all. Um, if, it, if it, what is it, if it uh, makes your intestines squirm, then <laughs> go oh, for it. Well, that's exactly it, right? Like there's so much, there's so many shitty things going on constantly, mm-hmm. all the time. I yeah. mean, it, you know, it's, it's never just now is especially shit. It's just like there's always shitty things happening and if you can take an audience just out of their own, you know, day-to-day life for a couple of hours, mm-hmm. you know, just to be and exist and connect in a way that they don't get to that often and then they walk away and they feel lighter or they've, you mm. know, they've loved that song and they're going to Google it on the way home or whatever it is, you know, they shazammed it at the gook, um, <laughs> you know, and it sounds so cliche and, I, you know, I sometimes feel like a little bit of a doodle talking like that but <laughs> it is like and, you know, when I – started amnesiacs, you know, it was kind of like the idea behind that was, 
obviously Radiohead is this incredible band mm. that and a, a lot of um, people who may not listen to jazz really really connect with Radiohead. You know, it's got a, it's a good it's got a big listenership, and but there are a lot of um, there are a lot of connections between Radiohead's music and jazz. In fact, one of their albums was actually inspired by a Miles Davis album, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot going on there, and it was just it was just kind of like I just felt that is just another opportunity to get people on board, get people connecting, get people that understanding that jazz isn't this kind of like elitist wanky thing that a, a lot of people perceive it mm. to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, coming back to PCC, Cougar Morrison, you know, I've, I've mentioned them a couple of times now, but um, just having them on stage and talking about, you know, their foreskins being covered in glitter and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it's it's just like, yeah, like let's just stop taking ourselves so seriously mm. for five minutes. Let's just have a shared funny experience, you know, and I think that's, yeah, that's such an uh, important thing. Again, again, I mean, I've said it a million times, it's, it's just about connecting away from our day-to-day bullshit. Completely, yeah. And here's always where, the, where it gets really fun. In Perth, what can we do to improve our local music scene? Well, I mean, it's the same thing with any art scene, isn't it? Like going to gigs, mm-hmm. making the effort to go out even when you you can't be bothered. I mean, the other thing is like um, encouraging our, our young people to pursue music as well. And, mm. you know, that that's that's a really complex topic. You know, we, we could spend hours trying to pick that one and apart. And let's. <laughs> Um, but you know, a lot of uh, particularly public schools are losing their music programs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the primary school that I went to, um, where I started clarinet, which lent me then led me to play saxophone. They no longer have a music program there. Yeah, you know, and it's so it's so devastating that these that these kids are missing out on these opportunities. So, I just think you know, if if you know a young person or someone who's even remotely interested in music, encourage that mm. because you know. And also, the perception of music is, well, you know, you go to Wapa and then you are a successful musician or whatever it is, <laughs> which which you know, as we know, has been proven time and time again, is not always the case. Um, but it it does open other doors and it mm. does. Uh, it can lead you down like a thousand different paths that people just don't expect. Totally. I mean, God, I'm, I'm sure you're you're exactly the same. If you think about yourself now to where you were the day you graduated WAPA. Oh, no, I don't like her. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, just would, you just wouldn't even believe it. Yeah, completely. Um, so, yeah, look, so to bring it back to your question, go out and encourage Patronize, patronize your uh, patronize and patronize, patronize uh, <laughs> your local musicians and encourage people to pursue the thing that sometimes seems unpursuable because of what society tells us. Totally. Uh, and if you're sitting in an audience and you hear something you like, try expressing that like oh, verbally. Please try doing a little bit of a whoop please. and see how it makes you feel. <laughs> yeah. A woo, a whoop, an encouraging sentence. We yeah. love all of those things. All of those things. And just see if that doesn't just make your lot your night just a little bit more sparkly. Hundred <laughs> percent. It just changes it. I think um something you touched on, I mean, just like mentioning like the fact that um 
schools are losing arts funding. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just not something being really spoken about. Yep. I can't imagine, and I'm not rousing on sports, I promise I'm not, but I can't imagine if they were like, and PE is now cancelled because we can't afford it anymore. Just like people being like, what do you mean? It's mm-hmm. uh, Physical education is healthy for my kid. Physical mm-hmm. education is important for the, their mental stability. It's important for all of these different factors. How dare you get rid of it without even consulting us first? But the same thing isn't being done when these schools are literally losing music funding and arts funding across yep. our state in what I would like to remind us is, quote, unquote, a surplus time for Western Australia and what I'd like to remind us is, quote, unquote, a first world country. So, like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even understand how you possibly could be using, like, I'm just ramp- rampaging now yep. and ranting, but I don't actually know how it's possible. So if... Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah. It is disgusting. I don't, even know. I don't and even know what I want from people. I just wanted to be mad. <laughs> I don't even know what I was You know what? For That's fine. I understand that. Um, <laughs> don't, I don't have a point, guys. I just am cross. But, I mean, like, the thing is, is, like, the benefits of music. I mean, there's so many mm. freaking studies out there yeah. on how beneficial it is, you know, for not just, you know, your average kid, but, like, kids with learning difficulties, mm-hmm. you know, kids who have got dyslexia, all, you know, there's like so many studies out there that music is beneficial. It's like a different way of absorbing information mm-hmm. and learning. And then it also helps the process with all of the other subjects totally as well. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it just, it, it just kills me and it makes, it makes me so cross. And um, I feel, yeah, I mean, as you, as you mentioned in my bio, I run the um, Wajo Northern Corridor Band mm. up in um, up in Duncraig, and the whole after, after I call it the, the Coriander Band or something. The Coriander. Oh, I like again, that. It's got a nice say, ring to it. We said it. that it helps with the dyslexia, and I'm just going to say not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I, I was so much worse. Um, you know, and it, it's it's this space just for kids who love to play jazz, just to come together with like-minded people. And, you know, it's, you, they don't, there's a not, there's not a massive amount of um, sort of like jazz opportunity uh, up, up there. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got kids from all over who come and do this. I've got one kid who drives from Mandurah every oh. single week up to Duncraig to come and be in this band just because they value that, that connection with their peers you know, with their fellow jazz nerds. And it just like, <laughs> it just brings me so much joy and at the same time so much frustration when it's just like in, invest in what these kids are telling you mm. is um, working for them. Yeah. Yeah. The, the shocking part is that they are telling you what they need and are expressing like the need and want for the arts at yeah. all times. So it's literally going unlistened to yeah kindly <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and you know there's like so many and you know obviously that it's I get it it's you know stem subjects very very important like no one's no one's discounting that but mm. we, we've got to have flexibility in the way that we approach education mm. and um flexibility around what the adults perceive are mm. important yeah you and know? it's not going to work just by changing it from STEM to STEAM. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to be a full bitch, but just by like chucking an A on there and being like, arts, through you a bone. It's like, thank you so much. Yeah, 100%. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for considering. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. That's just not going to do it for us. Uh, okay, we are very quickly running out of time. And like we said, we could talk about this 
forever and mm-hmm. ever. But for everyone to get a more beautiful grip on all of the amazing work that you do, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can uh, follow us, Perth Cabaret Collective. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, same with Amnesiacs. Spill Amnesiacs. <laughs> please, please don't make me do I'll that. I'll do it. I'm going to pull up your bio. I'm going to do it. Because I'm also dyslexic. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. Okay. So, well, I had to say this so many times. Actually, um, uh, this could be another moment where everyone's going to have to take a shot because I actually sent a voice memo to Veruca Sauer and I was like, can you please tell me how to say this? Word? Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> what a hero. Local hero. I know. Local hero Veruca Sauer <laughs> helping the dyslexics of the world. Anyway, so it's A M N E S I A C. Yes. Nailed it. Yeah, Great. I read it. No, that's perfect. No, 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 no. Don't tell them that. Oh, it's a no, podcast. Off the top of, you're right. <laughs> I keep forgetting people can't see me. <laughs> um, you could also check out Wajo uh, at wajo.com. That's W-A-Y-J-O. Hey. Can spell that one. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, don't follow me on socials because if I don't know you, I won't add you. Great. So there well, you go. There, there you go. They're all the public <laughs> profiles. You'll find all the links to uh, Perth Cabaret Collectives, the Amnesiacs Band, and Wajo in our show notes today. And as always, if you like this podcast, scroll up. There's somewhere on your page where you can like like it where you are right now. Like it says like, and then it says like rate it, give it five stars. Do that. Five stars. Woo. Waiting. Did you do it? Go on. Thank you. No, you want to. Thank you so much. All right. So do that. Um, and then if you have a question. <laughs> For us, you can email waexposepod at gmail.com and we'll ask our next incredible guest. Thank you so much, Jess, for joining me. I'm going to have to have you back. We're going to have to tear down every sector of the education system. Oh, I would love that. The detective episodes coming up when I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by George Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. And the Wayo Northern Coordinator Band. Corridor Band. Oh my God, I almost had that. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.